I let my hair and beard grow for one year after I was given two life sentences plus 40 years without parole. Then I drew this picture of me in my cell with Scott, my celly. He became a close friend. He hated the six, then seven inch beard hairs that would show up in random places. Sorry buddy, but I was going through a phase. I drew us so those on the outside could get a sense of what life in a box looks like. Out of the view is a small toilet and sink, and the door to the cell. Scott said it looks too nice, so I didn't capture the grunge. Try if you can to imagine being in the 65 square foot cell, just you, your Sally, and a pet mouse. Mail comes in and out, you get the occasional visit or phone call, but otherwise this and the prison is your universe. Now imagine living here day after day, you lie down in the bunk at night and wake up in it every single morning. You eat here. Some days you weep here, year after year, this is it. No breaks, no weekends off. You're told you will never be let out, ever. What can one live for under these conditions? Surprisingly, there's much. At the very least, I know that rarefied states of mind and states of pure bliss that dedicated monks experience after many years of devotion are available to me, if I live a spiritual life in here. I know also that all the world's knowledge is still available to me between the covers of books. Some I was reading at the time I drew life in a box can be stacked on my bunk. I can still connect with other human beings, whether they be my fellow prisoners, the guards, or my loved ones on the outside. This is not lost, and somewhere in that connection is an unnameable beauty that is worth living for. Above all, I live on hope. Hope that someday this nightmare will end, and I'll emerge blinking into the bright light of freedom. Shit, son. Ross Alberich went to prison for creating the uh, Silk Road, which is, if you don't know... A... Motherfucker, really? Yeah. Uh, he got, wow. I think, about 140 years in prison for creating Silk Road and um, oh. allegations that he was trying to murder someone, which I think were like not fully grounded or maybe they were grounded, but uh, mm. ultimately the bulk of his crime was, you know, creating the world's first eBay for drugs or uh, gum road for drugs if you're in Australia. <laughs> gum right? tree for drugs. Gum tree? Gum tree? All right, I don't know. Gum, gum tree, road. yeah. Uh, well, um, if that hasn't tipped you off, you are listening to another episode of Modern Guilt. Um, sometimes we like to kick things off with an insightful little, uh, little excerpt and, uh, we've done so today also. Absolutely. We, we missed a week last week because certain events unfolded. That's entirely certain my Certain events fault. have come to a close now. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I indulged myself a little too much and got super sick for seven days. So, uh, let that be a lesson to you that maybe I'm saying this entirely to myself. Uh, maybe it's time to start thinking about dry May. <laughs> dry May. Yeah. Um, no mojito May. Yeah. No Molly May. Uh, no, no mojito no, May. No Mary Jane May. You're doing well with the M's. Yeah, well, there's there's a, a plethora of them, you know. So um, of vices named under M. No meth May. No meth May. Yeah. <laughs> Might be hard for some of you, but think about your health those guys uh. <laughs> yeah so um i was dying uh over the last seven days of some probably like very mild cold but with my weakened immune system it was just annihilated the shit out of me uh <laughs> and one of the evenings the only thing that i could stomach was effectively like you know talking and uh berkshire hathaway released their whatever warren buffett charlie munger and two other um employees of theirs sit down and basically just talk about Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. You know, media makes a big sensation about it. If you're tuned in. What to some have called, media. which I hate the Woodstock of capitalism. 
It's so <laughs> what bad. The fuck? Dude, Warren Buffett's about to die. You can just hear it in his fucking voice. Fucking oath, man. Oh my god. I was like sitting there with a pounding fucking headache, just, you know, dying because I just, my body was just fighting for its life against, you know, like the common cold. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> I had like a bad headache and that was like it. But just listening to his voice, uh, and it was just like, oh, welcome to Berkshire. It, it was just like, oh, you could just hear it, like, you know, his soul trying to escape the confines of his, <laughs> of his decaying rotting fucking body yeah yeah um, um they're like due to go and join prince philip man in the the <laughs> freezer for long dead men who have continued yeah. to live for too long in the woodstock um, of it's, uh, aristocrats it's <laughs> weird how people for like ages were like oh my god how funny is warren buffett all he eats is mcdonald's cheeseburgers and you're like yeah you can fucking tell man like, <laughs> Yeah. The guy is like on death's door. He looks um, older but, than he is. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't sound well. I didn't realize that Charlie Munger had a glass eye. No, I didn't either. But well, I guess you when go. you have uh, lots of billions of capital at your disposal, maybe you can conceal that stuff a little better than the uh, than the common man. So uh, a couple mm-hmm. of weird takeaways from that. Um, one, I think I discovered this like weird uh, thing that I hadn't caught on to before where charlie munger was effectively talking about the plight of millennials and how they're fucked and how uh, the fed <laughs> is effectively you know fucking them over and interest rates are going to remain low which means asset prices are going to be high and it's going to be hard for millennials to get like a foot in any kind of asset ladder whatsoever um as well as some decrying investing in meme stocks and robin hood as like a uh, moral failing uh, but he seemed like legitimately remorseful for the plight of them. And I was, I was thinking, like listening that, you know, with the lights off and just sort of listening to their voices. And I was like, man, he controls maybe what, 600, $700 billion of assets or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe more. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't know the amount of assets they have under management, but like a huge amount. Including, including 165 billion in cash. They're just sitting yeah. on it. Yeah, which he said they're making $20 million off a year. How fucking pathetic is that? That's so weak, man. Fucking hell. That's just how low the fucking rates are. Anyway, he was effectively describing this. And there's this voice of like powerlessness, uh, you know, and and, like the way it was conveyed was very like, oh, yeah, that really sucks. Uh, You know, well, not much we can do. And, And then I started to realize like there's this, you know, they are really responsible to the board. And they're, they're just kind of like, I, I don't know the right metaphor to use here. Like maybe uh, the only way, I, I don't want to use like master surf analogies for obvious reasons. Um, so I'll just veer away from that. But they're like, they're, they're basically like cucks to the fucking board, right? And it, it just seems like they can't really do much. And they have this sort of like, oh, our hands are tied. We have this like huge amount of capital that we manage, but we have to make a return. And like, obviously they could hire more millennials or they could have some sort of like, you know, inclusion program or something. Um, but that sort of is swept under the rug in favor of these other uh, meaningless targets. But then the board seems to be cucked to the shareholders that demand these great returns. But the shareholders, I, I just found this weird circle of cuckery going on where the shareholders are like cucked to the, to the consumers to appease them, you know, but the consumers are tied and cucked to their boss, right? And the boss is cucked to the fucking management. And there's the, did you see the cycle? Of course. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe this is just like everybody knows it, and I only just caught onto it in my like hazy uh, illness. But I was like, wow, it's like the um, it's like the snake eating itself, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, when when you like sort of say it out loud explicitly, you hear yourself say it, and it does seem obvious, but it still doesn't mean that it's not worth sort of just like looking at. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, it's there are some things or some systems that perpetuate themselves like that that i think are way too easy to become numb to and that's definitely one of them just like the paralysis of capitalism yeah um which i guess in in some regards is is uh the reason that we're fortunate that i suppose stuff like impact investing is coming to the fore somewhat i still think it's a far smaller force than it's being painted out to be but um and I, i also think that the problem with that is also that they they offer very meek returns. Um, well, it's mainly aggressive <laughs> in- as well. You know, I think. I think. Yeah, I I I have also wondered that. Well, uh, I've I've made the argument to myself. I think we've actually talked about it as well off the pod. Um, but yeah, I yeah I, I think there there's a lot of space in in that uh, industry for for dishonest actors to do a lot of uh, <laughs> accumulation of uh, their own personal wealth under the name yeah. of progress um we have a fund called the responsible fund or whatever um that my sister was getting into because she was like oh i don't want to invest in like bad shit and i was yeah. like oh no just do it like you know you, <laughs> the economic machine is one of horror nightmare you know you like you can't avoid it you should just just fucking invest in anything you know just the the returns are what you're after um but yeah. she was like no, no no i'm gonna invest in this fucking responsible fund yeah yeah so i looked into i was like oh okay well let me look into it for you at least and i'll see who these guys are investing in responsibly because you're paying like this massive premium uh in admin fees you know to mm-hmm. for these guys to go through pick the responsible companies guess who's number one guess who take a take a wild step i know it's an annoying thing to do but just uh fucking, tesla nah dude goldman sachs <laughs> number fucking, fucking one holding in the like responsible fund is goldman fucking sachs wow you know, and it's like that's uh, fascinating which they probably set the standard as well on what like a uh you know um ethical investments is yeah have goldman sachs um publicly said that they will only like are they divesting from fossil fuel and stuff like that Mm. just out of curiosity okay they are yeah goldman sachs is first u.s big bank to divest from big oil and gas um so i guess that's their justification for it but i mean they're probably also investing in like swiss weapon manufacturers and congolese fucking platinum mines and shit so yeah like come on we just know that they're up to bad shit like you don't even have to fucking pretend you know so the responsible mm. fund the, the rest of the fund was pretty fucking bullshit as well there's just like various large banks which is you are invested in virtually everything then if you're investing in the banks, yeah yeah you know exactly. and then also not to mention the fact that the banks are not responsible whatsoever mm. this is why you got to go back I know, to just like, buying ciggies yeah i mean <laughs> well it's interesting i suppose because you could make the argument, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but you could make the argument that at least with companies like like cigarettes, um, I, I guess to a maybe a lesser extent weapons. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. This is kind of funny. Um, like at least the the harmful effects of those are put upon people who are at least in like voluntary positions. So like sure, like cigarettes could be. You could say ciggies are bad, although I disagree. But like. They're only hurting people who want to smoke ciggies. Yeah, yeah. Like, 
I guess if you want to go and volunteer to join the army and then get posted overseas by your irresponsible government and that feels the need to meddle in neo-colonial conflicts and you die, then like that's not really like society's problem. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, but whereas like, I suppose oil and gas and stuff, it's like, well, yeah, it kind of does fuck everybody a little bit, but I mean, I'm invested in oil, so whatever. Well, it's a necessary um, evil anyway. It's kind of like, well, you yeah, need yeah, it. You're right. like, you can't get away from it. It's, it's not like mm -hmm. even an evil. Like how the fuck do you think we're going to like make the solar panels, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, Elon doesn't sit there with a fucking mage and just conjure them, you know, like <laughs> as much as he'd like you to think he does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So speaking about like environmental rape, um, <laughs> I just discovered uh, a topic of interest recently. Um, yeah. Have you heard of a city called uh, Norilsk? No. So it's a Russian city. Uh, I may be mispronouncing the name, but it's spelled N-O-R-I-L-S-K. So Norilsk, Norilsk, maybe. Um, it is the second largest city in the Arctic Circle and is the home of the world's largest uh, nickel manufacturer. Or you don't manufacture nickel, but nickel producer, a company called um, Norisk Nickel. Mm. And I started off by seeing like a... A photo essay, I suppose you could say, of pictures taken in this city, and was so immediately like captivated and entranced that I went on like a huge tangent, um, just reading everything I could about this this town, um, and saw a couple of little mini docos on it as well. Um, and it's got a pretty grim but amazing story. So yeah. essentially, um, in the 1930s, uh, Russian geologists found that this part of Siberia has like just insane like metallurgical deposits. Um, oh, this is actually the second podcast in a row where I'm going to uh, read out a list of commodities. <laughs> the last one was doing about metal deposits in Afghanistan. Uh, this one is Russia. But so they realized that the area where Norilsk now stands uh, was rich in nickel, palladium, copper, platinum, gold, cobalt, selenium, tellurium, rhodium, silver, iridium, ruthenium, and coal. Jesus. Um, and immediately set to work um, setting up one of Russia's largest gulags right smack bang in the middle of these deposits and sent 450,000 prisoners there to uh, labor in the freezing Arctic winter conditions to start um building up the facilities to to mine these metals as well as the settlement to support the operations of the 450,000 people who were sent there uh 150,000 were definitely confirmed to have died working um, Whoa, right yeah Fuck. um but it's probably many more as you can imagine like the record keeping in a soviet gulag probably isn't at the level that you'd like so yeah. <laughs> um by 1950 this city had been built that had no roads or railways connecting it to the rest of Russia. And the only way that you could get to this region was through a, an Arctic seaport that was only accessible in two months of the year or by plane, um, landing on a remote icy runway. In, in 1950, um, <clears throat> the, the Gulag system was dismantled. I think, I think it was 1950 or the early 1950s after Stalin had, um, had either stepped down or passed away i can't recall how his reign ended but so th there were a bunch of free people now who had um some of them were were the next generation of of gulag residents 
who were essentially born into this strange state of sort of indentured labor like i think the the children of gulag prisoners were not prisoners but you know you have no prospects and the state provides nothing for you so they're born into this no man's land and to describe the this environment it's it's pretty difficult and i'll we'll put notes um uh, sorry put links in the notes for this episode so people can go and see it because there are some pretty beautiful visual mediums that demonstrate this but i saw a comment i think on a youtube video that outlined it really well and it was like it looks like a colony on like an outer planet to this inhospitable windswept bleak dark wasteland with like smog drifting out of the ground the closest thing you could get to mordor on earth pretty much that sounds amazing um yeah so on all sides of the city are like smelters and refineries and mines and processing facilities so these huge um, chimneys i'm assuming is the wrong word i think there's probably like a technical term for those sort of industrial structures but these things tower on tower up into the sky and the horizon just bellowing out polluting gases there's almost year-round um, a wind that blows it like 40 miles per second um so, so, <laughs> so, I mean, 40 meters per second um that's probably exists on some planet but not on earth i don't think yeah And the residents who have lived there for a long time and are familiar enough with the city can can tell which way the wind is blowing based on which chemical or metal they can smell in the air at any given time. Um, (laughs) The the ground in this place is frozen so hard, solid with permafrost that it's impossible to lay conventional foundations for building any new structures because you can't dig um, without like extremely... um, you know, heavy uh, industrial machinery. Yeah. So any new buildings that are made there, which are rare, there are barely any new structures made uh, at all these days. Uh, they have to be built on uh, massive metal pylons driven into the ground the same way that they used to build in Venice. Um, yeah. And so for three to four months of the year, the city gets plunged into an Arctic winter where it's, it's an eternal night. It's just, um, so it's like temperate. worse than what you were just describing. I know, and, <laughs> and it gets down to lows of negative fifty-two degrees. Residents Celsius. report they report symptoms of like paranoia, um, dissociative illness, and um, insomnia because their sleep gets disturbed so much. Um, and the the Arctic winters cause like a lot of sort of mental illness and depression in this city. Um, the pollution and prevalence of chemicals in the air that the people breathe um, lead to rates of uh, cancer and heart disease over two times the rest of the Russian population, two times higher than the rest of the Russian population, um, which are also probably skewed by the fact that a lot of people in their older life leave. So the, the true sort of medical statistics for Norilsk are probably um, watered down because a lot of people who would later develop those conditions move to uh, what the residents call the mainland or the continent because they don't even view themselves as living uh, in a place that is connected to Russia. So Fuck, yeah. It's so far away that you cannot traverse that distance. Like, you, you die if you try and leave. Um, because of the the city's strategic importance in terms of the resources that it produces and the wealth it generates for Russia, foreigners can't go there. It's completely closed off. Um, yeah. The, the press and journalists um, 
can sometimes be granted like a, uh, I suppose, a pass, a document granting them permission to go there. Um, but I read about one filmmaker who uh, went through a three-year process just to get permission to go there for like a week and film. Mm. Um, and so that sort of describes <laughs> this place. Um, what, what makes it particularly interesting, though, is this company, uh, Norilsk Nickel, which controls the majority of the um, mineral production there and essentially runs like a sort of monopoly enterprise in the city. So I think 40% of the city's population are employed by Norilsk Nickel. I should also mention that uh, I think off the top of my head, the population was around 200,000. So it's not like a small city. And the rest of the people there are obviously either children who go to school and try their best to have normal child lives um, or people who are employed in like the service industries who support the the workers at Norilsk. Um, so since um, these facilities were first established under the Gulag system, obviously the Soviet Union run like uh, state managed production uh, operations there. Um, and even uh, under the Soviet Union produced massive amounts of the world's uh, rare metals. Let me try and uh, I'm not going to be able to find this off the top of my head again, but if it, I can't remember the, which one of these metals it was exactly, but even under the Soviet Union, they were supplying 40% of the global supply of one of these rare metals. Yeah, yeah. Today, um, Norilsk provides a ridiculous amount of the global nickel supply. So I'll, try, I'll link to some articles that will outline uh, these exact figures, but what I'm getting at here is that the amount of production that comes out of this area is just mammoth. Like it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you almost can't fathom it. Yeah. Yeah. So once the Soviet Union collapsed, are you, you might've um, <clears throat> come across this before, but are you familiar with the loans for shares program that was implemented by the sort of transitional Russian government to try and pivot them from the like centrally planned Soviet economy to like a free market? So just for the listeners, Damon's shaking his head saying, no, I I didn't have time to do a super detailed look into how this worked, but essentially the gist of it from what I can gather is that since all of these state assets, um, which were sort of, I guess, state owned on behalf of the public under the socialist system, they essentially had to be privatized um, in order for Russia to pivot to the free market. So what the government did is um, took a lot of these uh, manufacturing, um, warehousing, transport, telecommunications, uh, logistics, energies, energy companies, and they did one of two things. And in some cases, they uh, liquidated the, sorry, not liquidated, but um, dispersed stock in these companies to all of the former workers and managers and people who ran these operations. Um, and in other cases, so the government would pass control of these companies to these newly formed Russian banks who would then auction off the rights to bid for the stock of these companies. So then um, right. private businessmen or members of the public or whatever could, could bid to buy stock in these companies. So um, I read a New York Times article written in 1996, which was talking about this, and it talked about how there were thousands of banks operating in Russia at the time most of whom were, quote, fly-by-night operations yeah. um, and were, like, insanely shady. Modern One of them Bank of Russia. was... <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, the deputy prime minister 
in the transition government, one of the directors of one of these new banks was a guy called Vladimir Potanin, not Vladimir Putin, Vladimir Ologovich Potanin, um, who was now uh, the richest Russian in the world and the world's 44th richest man. So the details behind how this happened seem really blurry, but essentially while he was simultaneously the deputy prime minister, he founded this bank. <laughs> then they were, I mean, he essentially from his role in government awarded his own bank the rights to auction off the, the, the stock and then personally bought up 54% of Norilsk Nickel. And to give an idea of the value of that, um, today has annual revenue of $15.5 billion. Um, yeah. So this guy essentially awarded himself 54% ownership, um, which he paid about one third of the value for at the time for this company. And the same thing happened to uh, most Russian enterprises. So a lot of these guys were either former members of the, the state government under the Soviet Union, who then paired with sort of these newly emerging uh, free market entrepreneurs or business people who were like forming banks and financial institutions and taking money from organizations like uh, the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank who were pouring money into Russia to try and um, speed along the free marketization. Um, that's not even a real term, but it yeah. sounds like it is. Yeah. But um, speed along the, the opening up of the Russian economy. You know who's behind um, all that? One of the main guy, Jeffrey Sachs. Uh, oh, who's yeah, also right. behind uh, trying to liberalize Africa. Um, yeah, that makes the way chief. too much sense. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's funny how these fucking demons just pop up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, essentially, it was super common for these guys to award themselves uh, the bids to uh, auction off this stock and then auction it off to their cronies, which is how the current Russians uh, network of oligarchs emerged. I think most people are familiar with how those people came to power, but I think mo fewer people are probably aware of like the mechanisms behind how they, how they managed that. So the, <laughs> the business partner of uh, Vladimir Potanin, who I will remind the listeners was the guy who managed to steal up 54% of Norris nickel um, for you know, 30 cents on the dollar, um, is none other than former owner of the NBA basketball team, Brooklyn Nets, Mikhail Prokhorov. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, <same. laughs> he was also a filthy rich billionaire. So this guy, Vladimir Potanin, is a very close associate of Vladimir Putin as well, as you can imagine, and now finds himself in a position where, thanks to the amount of power and wealth he was able to seize during that transition in the 90s, controls an asset which is so important and strategic to Russia that they won't let foreigners visit. It can't be liquidated or dismantled or really regulated all that much. Uh, and essentially has this city built on the back of slaves, purpose built for generating his income, which is fucking nuts. Is, he basically yeah. still runs the modern equivalent of a gulag, has 200,000 people who maintain and operate this whole ecosystem. Oh, I was going to say, it sounds like they're living in a sleep paralysis nightmare as well. Oh, it's, right. It just sounds yeah. like some horrid fucking, like, now, you know, if you ever watch, like, the Eastern European cinema from, like, 1980s, that has that, like, gloomy, dark, fucking beige color, and everybody's miserable and works in some, like, industrial shithole that just has persistent <laughs> toxic smog, like, flowing through. I'm I actually haven't watched those, but I'll okay. take your word for it. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I should have done this at the start, but I'm just going to link you to one um, 
w this photo essay that I referred to, just so you yeah. can have a look at it right now and just bathe in it for a moment. Ugh. Oh, I'm already fucking super into this. Oh, they have uh, clubs there. They have one club that opens once a month and is run by volunteers. Those people look kind of attractive, though. I was kind of expecting everybody to just look, like, disheveled, you know? Well, the incredible thing about this place is that the residents have, like, an insane pride for where they live, which is, like, so admirable and so fucking Russian. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, I'll um, link the listeners to these, these docos as well, but you should watch them as well, Damon. Oh, I'm um, so fucking down. Man, I love... Yeah, sorry, go on. Oh, there's a guy who's interviewed in one of these docu documentaries, and I'm going to have to paraphrase his, his quote, but he says something like, he's talking about his city and the place he lives, and he says, when I look into the blackness, it reminds me of a, of a cosmic moment. It's infinite and beautiful. That's so fucking amazing. He's just, he's just staring into this black wasteland where he's born and lives and manages to like squeeze the most happiness out of his life that he can. And like, despite the fucking horrid conditions that these people live in and the dark, dark history of these place, uh, of this place rather, um, mm. like these admirable Russian fucking legends manage to live their best life there. They swim in the polluted freezing lake. They open the underground club once a month. The yeah. children still manage to have ballet lessons. They dig each other's cars out of the snow. They hop on the bus and smoke yeah. and drink coffee together on their way to the mine. You know, it, and it's just fucking amazing it's such a testament to what i think of as russian culture i'm sure i have so much to learn about it but russians just seem to have that uh that simultaneous willingness to embrace darkness and the abyss and also just be present and enjoy what life gives you you know they're good people though yeah, i think so man all of this for you know like an uncomfortable portion of it is probably going towards you know like um, Apple's uh, consumer products and, and various other trash that, you know, is just going to be like <laughs> given to uh, ingrates. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Vladimir Potanin's three luxury yachts. Um, yeah. The 89 meter Barbara built in 2016, the 88.5 meter Nirvana built in 2012, and the 76 meter Anastasia built in 2008. Yeah. Any guy with that many boats is probably like ruthlessly depressed. I feel like. Yeah, what are you going to do? You use them all at the same time? It's fucking ridiculous. So yeah, well, you look up if you look up photos of this guy, you'll see that uh, I think he quite likely is very depressed. Um, yeah, <laughs> he he looks like a sort of half. You know the idea of like a sort of morality corrupting you physically as well as spiritually. Yeah, he looks like a man who is sort of like slowly rotting thanks to his sin. <sighs> There's no coming back from that. That's horrible. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. just gonna quickly send you a link of uh, of the Google image page for this this motherfucker. <laughs> um, this is an absolutely fantastic find. I am deeply. Oh, oh yeah. I knew you would love it. Oh, it's yeah, astounding. Oh man, oh, this poor bastard. Yeah. Yeah. No, no price is worth it. Awful. He's gone too far. I feel like a lot of those Russian guys must have, you know, like the obscene amounts of wealth that they have and the power. Um, I'm reading this book right now called Principles of History, which I yeah. deeply recommend. Uh, if we were ever to put out a modern guild reading list, I'd probably nominate it towards you know the top five picks. Um, it's something that I want to reread for the rest of my life. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, and right. It talks about the aristocratic uh, generations and how they effectively just rot from the inside out through over the course of history. This guy basically has tracked like um, I don't know since like 500 BC give or take a 
couple PCs or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. up to now and has talked about these he's very like ray dalio escorts you know uh yeah. the whole well, ray dalio is probably very uh will and ariel durant the power history team that wrote the book um i think he takes a lot of his ideas from them because they talk a lot about basically everything works in cycles and uh aristocratic generations are that are born out of that kind of like power grab and resource grab always rot from the inside out because it just breeds like ingrates and nepotism and um you know these like worthless human beings that can't do anything other than just sort of like consume they don't make art mm. they don't participate in anything other than kind of like uh you know empty social affairs and they're just like born to consume and be you know just like meat bags for high yeah. value luxury goods and presumably this disgusting circle of uh you know fucking that goes on within it rutting yeah and like each other's cousins and shit as well like it's not yeah. like there's not a diverse gene pool in terms of the fucking that occurs amongst those yeah. kinds of people i don't like even want to call definitely it. a lot of relatives yeah 100 percent. i don't want to call it fucking either it's like lowlier than that it's just just sort of like yeah. squirming <laughs> and like genital mashing that occurs within these yeah, aristocrats like it's like if you um if it rains and you're walking down the footpath and you see two worms reproducing like you're like yeah like they're having sex but they're not fucking yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> they're not yeah. fucking how i know fucking yeah they're just um, like polluting the gene pool even further with their like gross um you know aristocratic fucking common juices mixing together it's like a witch's that, what brew. you're describing what you're describing reminds me so much of like the yeah. the monarchs leading into uh the first world war yeah. where there was just they're all just so um i mean I, I was gonna say one thing but i'll say they were all firstly so preoccupied with the accumulation of you know like resources and wealth through like their their colonial empires like rather like all of the monarchs were too busy enslaving indigenous populations and committing genocides to actually like consider the worth of like their lives yeah um and yeah also self-absorbed that they couldn't steer their countries away from like the inevitable fucking massacre that was yeah. just on the horizon you know like at at countless points in history they leading up to the first world war someone could have taken a step back and said hang on you know like what are we doing here but they're just completely incapable of it yeah well it's, uh, like just, are you going? oh i was just gonna say like just uh like bread ignorance you know well the, the same things uh I, I you know you can see it's probably going to be like a very extreme example of it in russia just because of the extreme um differences in circumstances like, yeah in circumstances but uh the uh aristocratic oligarchs of which i guess the cia is somehow part of or you know those who hold power in the states it's probably the same thing's going to happen you can see it like with how out of touch they are i've been having a good good old time watching their um their hiring ads <laughs> <laughs> which, which we'll yeah. probably link in the description link in the description below uh is that the cia has been going on this hiring bender and uh virtue signaling that they hire people that are i don't know that they're somehow like empowering cisgendered uh people that suffer from social anxiety, anxiety disorder yeah <laughs> yeah it's like all of the these cia <laughs> caters to all minorities we're an empowering workplace the sons and daughters of all the mk ultra victims they're just fucking like <laughs> them up <laughs> so that they can like you know have glorified button pressing positions while they you know engage in drone warfare 
Those people would be so yeah. UK ultra anyway, because you know when you when you see the ads and it's like, you know, I'm gay. I grew up in a small town and I'm gay, and now I work for the CIA. It's so empowering that I feel like they're so divorced <laughs> from reality that pushing yeah. a button and nuking, you know, like a small village of um, God fearing like women, children, men, families would just be like a you know I'm empowering. Yeah, fucking press the button. God, I love yeah, working for, sure. for the CIA. It's just <laughs> yeah, like. Pakistan hates women's rights. This village doesn't deserve to live. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to post on Twitter in between button presses. Like, ugh. And you know they are too. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the, that's the aristocracy of, you know, the states, I feel. They're so fucking divorced from everything. And mm-hmm. they don't even have to necessarily be, like, of obscene wealth because they're just of this obscene unreality. Yeah, and this yeah. is why I'm suspicious of people with weak chins. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> that guy did have a weak chin in the fucking ad. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see. But um, the uh, <laughs> one of the common side effects of of inbreeding, particularly in the uh, European monarchies, was uh, the receding chin. Yeah. Um, really. And yeah, uh, <laughs> wow. it truly was. Yeah. Okay. So now I, I am immediately. Um, put on guard when I'm approached by someone with a, with a weak chin. Um, not to say that uh, they, they won't have uh, a, lot, a lot of positive qualities about them, but, you know, pays to uh, keep your eyes out there because you never know what might be coming. Exactly. Well, um, um, also, in the same vein of weak chins is uh, weak gooches or uh, taints or whatever the medical term okay. is. Uh, which is another sign of the uh, you know aristocracy fucking falling into whatever the uh, you know back in the day because it was like hemophilia. Um, what is a weak gooch? I sorry. understand what a gooch is. I you understand know, what a gooch is, but what is a weak gooch? A weak gooch. Well, I'm just is that what you that said. Term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Oh, but, right. Uh, the when we covered microplastics and, and oh right, I see. Yes. Um, Part of what it's doing is making the distance between the anus and the uh, genitalia. <laughs> right, it's um, shrinking your shrinking gooch. It. Yeah, so not only do you get the weak chin, but you get the weak gooch, uh, which is a like sign of um, poor virility and uh, oh, right, and you know like emotional issues and everything else. And it's like like legit okay. like fucking. There's this doctor on Rogan recently that was just further backing up my talking about that. conspiracies. Yeah. Still drinking out of a fucking so, plastic bottle. So I'm probably like fucking oh, myself yeah. here. Like, Me wait. too. So ladies, make sure that you're on the lookout for men with um, a gooch length of at least 20 centimeters, yeah. uh, which I would estimate in inches for our American listeners is maybe like seven or eight inches. Yeah, get your um, ruler out. You want, you want a preposterously long gooch in your partner. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Physically, it might not yeah. be appealing, but it'll be worth it in the long run. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I want it. What, I haven't looked at our um, audience breakdown in so long. Do you know what percentage of our listeners are women? 20. Surprisingly high. But, uh, oh, that's not bad. Yeah, maybe maybe 15. <laughs> oh, it's, it's not 70% after we had one female guest on the podcast? That's weird. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I don't know, 20%, 20%, 20% female, 80% male. Um, you know, yeah. You're all valued under our eyes, though. So male, yeah, female, I mean, trans. Even if you have a weak gooch, we don't blame you for it. Mm-hmm. You can Dow still chemicals. listen to Modern Guilt. Yeah. <laughs> blame um, Dow for what they've done. Yeah. The horror that they've created. Um, so I saw that, uh, oh, 
Uh, I saw that the Biden administration is uh, considering privatizing some of their surveillance and data collection um, in order to subvert the Constitution. So All right. <laughs> uh, in terms of their monitoring of like social media and uh, messaging platforms and whatnot uh, with regards to, quote, uh, domestic extremists and terrorism, yeah. unquote. Oh, white um, supremacy. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. that. Um, yeah. So under the, under the Constitution, as you can imagine, um, if anyone's familiar with, you know, everything that went down with Edward Snowden and stuff, like it's it's illegal for uh, the government or intelligence agencies or the police or FBI, whatever, to gather data on citizens without a warrant or uh, unless there's already an ongoing criminal investigation um, yeah. involving those individuals. So um, understanding that they, they can't be seen doing that again, they're considering employing, quote, independent research groups to um, gather this data for them, uh, which can utilize more sophisticated tactics, such as creating fake profiles to um, to <laughs> monitor narratives, sentiments, and trends emerging amongst uh, uh, extremist groups who uh, are becoming more intelligent and more sophisticated in their, quote, operations by going off of platforms such as Twitter and Facebook to uh, dispense their information on and using encrypted messaging platforms like Signal and Telegram. Oh, God. Um, so <laughs> they're essentially going to be using public money to pay private companies to collect data on private citizens yeah. to subvert the constitutional rights of those same citizens. That is fucking horrendous, eh? Yeah, and that's, that's, fucked, eh? that's effectively going to be like a private military contractor, most likely, hiring anonymous yeah. Indians to, like... <laughs> to like send out you know or or anonymous filipinos or anonymous uh whoever um you know yeah to infiltrate and send b-tier messages to everyone that's there there's been like a long-standing thing that i've seen on uh various internet boards like image boards like uh infinity chain and um 4chan and i don't know where, wherever the fuck else uh that they suspect that the feds browse it and post on there. And I've always wondered if that's true. I kind of feel like it might be. Yeah, I know that Russian Of course actors, it is, man. Yeah, it's correct. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sweet fucking Jesus Christ. That's so fucked. That just shows how you much of a farce the whole thing is, though, right? Like, the, the moment oh, that they yeah. start spending money on uh, trying to, like, compete with a bunch of, like, you know neckbeards and weirdos and uh people just who want to like spam gore and lolly and fucking all sorts of other crap you just know that this is just it's beyond any it's just beyond sense it's like what are you beyond all reason yeah what are you even fighting at that point like some fucking dudes who's 13 sitting in his parents bedroom like you know being like oh fuck yeah i'm gonna post a picture of gore (laughs) and then i'm gonna use the (laughs) n-word like there's a CIA operative (laughs) <laughs> something that uh they talked about in this same article that i read uh which was published by uh cnn politics yeah i didn't even know that was a thing but it's, it is yeah, yeah. um is that uh, talking about the the problem that they're having tackling and monitoring these uh alt-right terrorist groups yeah because um from the perspective of uh the administration these groups are becoming smarter and more difficult to police because they're starting to adapt their use of language away from overtly uh, threatening or violent language to more mild mainstream language. Yeah. But they don't 
they don't actually have uh, a substantive claim that there is uh, an intentional shift in language as opposed to just a shift in behavior. So they're saying like, oh, the terrorists are behaving way more like normal people now, but they're there. Yeah. They're just different. Yeah. yeah but yeah. hang on. Don't. Why is there just not less terrorists? Like, have you ever considered that there are no terrorists? Which is the fucking case. Um, so, yeah. So like, I heard a statistic recently that in 2020, there were 70,000 murders in the United States. And I think 30 of those were linked to domestic terrorism or white nationalism. Yeah. Um, so, so this whole, um, this whole campaign is, is clearly just a, an attempt to undermine people's rights and privacy, you know, and just um, oh, improve the uh, data collecting apparatus. Like so, good stuff. It just sounds like such a fucking sham, you know. Just to they'll use that as the poster thing. There'll be like one department with, you know, um, this weirdly getting a budget to shit post on 4chan, and then the rest of it's probably going to like spying deeply on, um, you know, the the actual people that they want to target and harass. So, what a fucking nightmare! Absolute nightmare. Yeah. Well, fucking. Uh, I hope that they get you know, spammed to death. I can't imagine they're actually going to be, like, infiltrating. There's nothing to fucking infiltrate, you know? Like, exactly, just dude. isn't. <laughs> it's just a bunch of um, weirdos online that just don't have anything else to do. You know, like, all these incels and shit, just, they're just lonely, sad people. And now they're going to get, like, now they're just going to be chatting to, like, bored CIA workers, you know, like, or, sorry, empowered um, people of color. Empowered trans, minorities who have been adopted LGBT. by the institution. <laughs> Um, yeah, we have to like now post on 4chan. Yeah. <laughs> so one of them yeah. in between pulling the trigger on drone drone. Right? <laughs> yeah. Imagine having to do a show so, like where you just have to go post uh, to like combat terrorism. So, um, listeners, if you uh, want the uh, or the authorities to dig up something cool in your web history, then you should support our podcast by going to Patreon forward slash Modern Guilt. And subscribing to our exclusive content for five dollars per month, um, then the authorities will know that you're based and and dope, um, and that yeah. you're funding a terrorist organization, um, <laughs> which is something that you can hang your hat on. <laughs> um, all money, all money that uh, is paid to Modern Guild is funneled directly to um, ISIS in uh, in Somalia. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or our like 4chan operative account that we're using to uh to fight you know uh white supremacy as well mm-hmm. with yeah. uh, hilarious means um just the most powerful tool <laughs> uh fuck what was i gonna say um oh it's gone it's gone it's gone the the, the rotted decay uh, i'm mind. sorry uh oh That's yeah right. yeah yeah it's one of the one of the true ways i think and um while you're supporting the pod that you can benefit from all this nonsense is, is frankly just looking at it and seeing where you can, you know, like invest in this chaos and insanity uh, to walk yes. out of it yeah. with, and, and just, and you know, take, take the, the moral stand where you, you look mm-hmm. at it and you say, uh, well, they're going to do this anyway. I may as well make a buck. And then I can, you know, use that to fund my own um, CIA disinformation campaign on, on whatever image board or subreddit or fucking Twitter or, you know, Whatever. Or just get offline because it's a fucking nightmare. Uh, exactly. Go and make yourself $5 million and move to the country with your wife and, and have, some, have some babies and buy some cows. Yeah. 
and some some guns, grow some weed, uh, have a helicopter. Yeah. That's a good life. Grow some ketamine trees and and that can be you if you subscribe to us on Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Free yourself of this fucking nightmare. Right? It's just like it. Online warfare is so powerfully lame now that I just feel like it's not. It's yeah. I don't know. You've that's it. That's the the final fucking thing that you've um you've uh, t- shown me the light now that it's worthless and pointless and beyond mm. it. So um so there's that quote from uh, Warren Buffett that I'm sure like was never intended to be thought of in this way, but you know he said like uh, in a gold rush, sell shovels. Yeah, I think that like applies here. How it's like, you know, just don't join the fray. Stand back and make a buck. Um, don't get caught up in the hype or the euphoria. Yeah. Um, don't don't be like every other motherfucker trying to race to prove something. Yeah. Just uh, figure out how you can make a dollar, you know? Well, you made a good point um, um, last week, perhaps the week before. We were talking about Gina Reinhart. And if you engage with her book, uh, then you've lost. <laughs> and, and like the game's over. Mm. And you just have to accept the fact that you're the biggest loser no matter what side you take. And I think it's the same thing here. Like you could just... You could get involved in all this shit politically, but you're going to come out a loser fundamentally because um, the the uh, divine circle of cuckoldry uh, is that <laughs> everyone is a cuck by engaging in this stupid fucking bullshit. You know, that's true. Like, no matter who you are, is just you're going to end up. Um, you know, just uh, I can't think of another analogy that doesn't suit it better. I'm sure there's one out there, but you're just going to end up being the schmuck standing there getting grifted basically <laughs> because all of this um, is such nonsense you know uh, adam, adam curtis's new doc goes pretty well um and he makes a really good point on that uh which i'd highly recommend and i'll probably talk about um in addition to this other piece that i get on today about masturbation but we'll get to that later uh, <laughs> uh essentially the you know, the only way to win this war is just to turn it all off, you know, and walk outside and like get involved back with uh, your local community group because fundamentally the stuff is becoming less and less interesting, you know, and more and more boring and very cliche. And like, you know, if you go onto Twitter or Chans or fucking Reddit or whatever, it's just the same recycled narratives and bullshit, you know, of people screaming at each other over fundamentally like nothing at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I. I agree with everything you just said, man. Um, I was just going to give a shout out to uh, a recent subscriber who uh, sent us a message um, and as well as a shout out and apology because this listener was telling me about uh, his uh, Bobcat 300 miners for the Helium network, which he's using to uh, mine crypto. He goes into great detail about, you know, he has some sort of uh, elaborate operation happening by the sounds of it and wanted yeah. to uh wanted to just you know drop some knowledge in case we were interested um <sighs> which is a lovely offer but i know nothing about cryptocurrency so i'm sorry dude but i i can't really contribute meaningfully to a discussion <laughs> about mining crypto but it sounds like you're doing a great job so keep that up i heard something shared on reddit recently which i thought was pretty hilarious yeah is that this guy was um setting up some sort of uh, like, I don't know, illegal remote crypto mining operation by yeah. uh, infiltrating Discord groups where people were talking about Fortnite um, <laughs> and offering people offering people cheat codes. And then, like, 
he was sending people these cheat codes via DM, which were actually like links to like uh, covertly install his like mining operation. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> Fortnite players have like really strong graphics cards. This guy was just like remotely mining on all of these teenage boys' computers. That is fucking brilliant. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. So um, if any of our listeners are, are getting their crypto mine on, then good on you. Um, I, I know nothing about it though. I'm um, sorry. So, um, I have a couple friends that are we hear you. deep in that space. Um, I could reach out to them and they, they love to tell me about it. Crypto is something that I have like not been in ever. I, it's annoying. Uh, the only crypto I actually ever had was a Dogecoin or Dogecoin or whatever the fucking dog is, you know, the little, yeah. the little thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I had some of that back in like years and years and years ago. It's probably worth a lot of money now. Mm. Uh, oh, I'm sure. But it's on like an old hard drive or whatever, or an old laptop, and I don't know where it is. And I don't really care to find it because I just kind of fucked. But uh, th- that's basically it. And aside from that, I've I've seen a lot of stuff about it. Um, you know, I've been aware of it for a while, but I just never bought it. And I don't understand it. That's the big problem. And I, I think I'm too I'm too much of a crayon eater to, to kind of like grasp the concept. And people will keep, continuously explain it to me and like, oh yeah okay but uh but i still don't get it i'm i'm completely the same dude i yeah. i clearly i've never had cryptocurrency and like the the mechanics behind it explained to me in a way that i understand and like it's obviously just some sort of fucking comprehension issue with my like neanderthal brain but i can't wrap <laughs> my head around it so there was a an interesting crypto related story that i have been meaning to tell you for like weeks now but i just keep forgetting which is pretty funny right so uh a mate of mine who I I won't name was telling me he uh, he has like a, a friend associate I guess yeah. who he's in like a, a group chat with uh, on Facebook and this guy recently announced to his mates who all met at, at university that he was um, dropping out of his degree to like become a full time crypto trader um, and run his like uh, like crypto trading advice subscription business. And it's like, okay, yeah, Sick. cool. Like, I right. wouldn't, wouldn't tell my kids to do that, but whatever floats your boat. Ah, uh, fuck university. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so in the group, group chat, these dudes are kind of just like, oh, yeah, like, cool, bro. Like, no one asked, but thanks for letting us know. Yeah. And then he starts posting his, um, like, his hype board messages like you know those kind of like tackily formatted like discord style messages that have like a hundred emojis and like green arrows like up up to the moon and all that shit god that stuff gives me fucking like um venereal disease just looking at it (laughs) yeah what this guy had been doing though is like pumping up his uh his trading advice service but using like the incorrect math so he had been like scalping crypto trades making like uh, marginal gains like you know two percent here five percent there and then said like he's like uh subscribe now so you can get like three thousand five hundred percent profits like me and he had been adding up the percentages of each of his marginal trades (laughs) to get his total total return um and um like I was I was being shown these messages with with someone else and we were just like oh my god dude like this guy is going to die someone's going <laughs> to kill him. like and the premiums that this guy is fucking charging for this subscription services are nuts dude he <laughs> he sells a life he sells a lifetime subscription and I can't remember the figure but it was like in the thousands and people were paying man and yeah. 
I don't know. This motherfucker reckons he was raking in like 30k a month on like trading crypto and on, oh, and on, and on subscriptions, but selling yeah. like fraudulent advice. <laughs> um, and and um, for the listeners who don't know, recently um, a woman's foot was found on a beach in Australia um, yeah. <laughs> that belonged to um, a woman who was probably running some sort of Ponzi scheme. Um, but the investigation is ongoing. She disappeared with $12 million, essentially, and then her foot was found. So, you know, make of that what you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the people in the room while we were having this conversation was just like, he's like, dude, this guy's going to turn up like that woman's foot on a beach in New South Wales. Like if he keeps this up, oh, <laughs> like, yeah, you can't go taking people's money, man. And doing that and anyway so Math i hope that day. motherfucker realizes the scale of his mistakes and is like quickly not doing that yeah um, I, but... I, that's funny and shit and i feel bad because um i'm not a big fan of like grifting everyday people uh i like people who like take bold you know like obscenely irresponsible risks like like huang and shit but um that's just you are just a legit fucking grifter at that point and it's funny but fuck what a dick oh well i the the funny thing is i don't think he's trying to grift i think he's really i think he thinks he's doing a good job yeah and he just doesn't know how to add up the percentage (laughs) which is fucking terrible man fuck that's bad Um, yeah so anyway um big big shout out for for the mate that uh provided that story yeah that that was nice um i've Um, never had so many friends in crypto uh at the moment so um mm -hmm. buddy uh, I'm sure there's money to be made, but I'm too retarded to understand that stuff. Yeah, I'd like to be uh, less retarded. Likewise, but, uh, my parents drank too much fucking plastic. I don't know what to tell you. So um, you know, <laughs> it's interesting um, working with the public. The amount of people who uh, who I encounter at my job who, without being asked or provoked, just bring up cryptocurrency. Yeah, and it's. It's really bizarre, man. People are chomping at the bit. Like, there's a lot of Kool Aid sipping happening. People really want to talk about it. I had yeah. one one dude come up and start telling me about how he's making like eighteen hundred percent returns on like these like micro coins or whatever. And it's like fucking hell, man. Okay, that's crazy. But like, you got to get onto it, bro. Oh, just hearing about that. I don't even like the OTC markets, man. Like, um, the penny stock market is something that bothers me. Uh, and it's oh, like, see, I just... like the penny stocks. Really, dude? I fucking hate yeah. it, man. Because there's fuck all liquidity. I don't know who these cunts are. I just invested in this, like, penny stock that we might cover on um, the next Patreon episode. So subscribe and tune in. Uh, and I, could... I think it's legit. But, like, also, I'm annoyed that it's a penny stock and it's not fucking NASDAQ company. And, you know, I, I just don't like it, man. It's just it's too too many cowboys and shit, you know. Yeah, no, you definitely got to be careful. I, I yeah. must say, I've either been, you could say, smart or lucky, whichever one. Maybe I'll yeah. be proven wrong. I've never been burned on a penny stock yet, but Ooh. maybe I'm maybe I'm lucky. Maybe Ooh. I'm picking the right ones. I, I don't know, but we'll yeah. see. It'll happen eventually. I'm sure I'll uh, I'll get reamed one day. But You're like a, um, it's the the intro to the new Jordan Belfort right there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you want to be a fucking yeah. loser do you want to make 1800 returns on the otc markets come down <laughs> hey those pump and dump um, <laughs> uh fuck yeah it. well 
No, nah, good on you, man. My, my dad loves that shit as well. He's um he's all about it. He keeps fucking telling me. He's like, oh, yeah, I sorted uh, the list of the top gainers on the penny stock market. And then I've just been buying into the, the top gainers because they've done so well. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm just like, buddy. That's amazing. <laughs> it's like that easy, yeah. yeah yeah um my dad was like scalping like like uh biotech stocks at one point just like having like a bizarrely successful run just like (laughs) what (laughs) how do you even find these fucking stocks man yeah i think he like i think he literally googled it like he just found this company on Google and was like, oh, yeah, sick. And just like <laughs> doubled his money. Pretty yeah. nice. So well, big, big ups. Um, they're having the last <laughs> laugh because I'm in the red right now. Like fucking nothing else. Fucking so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, there the, we this go. has been a fun episode. <laughs> Let's call it a day as Damon coughs his fucking ass like off. Fucking die a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sounds good. Been fun. Um, I will bring uh, wild tales of... Uh, um orgasms next week so you know tune in for that okay if that's something you want to hear about grifting and jerking off we'll have the masturbation <laughs> special maybe we should make it a, a okay. fapapalooza yeah. <laughs> all right i haven't yeah, come across woodstock. any masturbation content lately but i'll try oh sick okay yeah it'll be like the woodstock of jerking off um yeah okay that's what you get for sounds good you can either watch the woodstock of capitalism or you can watch uh or you can listen to modern of- guilt yeah masturbation yeah cool so uh, like we said please subscribe on uh patreon if you like the podcast we really appreciate it yeah if if you if you don't want to subscribe you don't think we deserve your money or if you're poor then that's okay just share us with your boys or your girls or just show us some love how you can send us a message and if you work for the cia and we're wrong then uh come on and tell us why be interested to hear a um, another perspective to be honest uh, you know, tell us about the empowering work that you do. I'm willing to be proven wrong, you know. Yeah. But they'll have to go to the back of the wait list of CIA guests that we have. Um, yeah. Of a of CIA people, so. Yeah, we don't let any shit um, come on, you know. It's, uh, it's a long list, so. Um, yeah, we only let empowered minorities come on. That's it. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's call it a day. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you Peace later. Out. Thank you.